Hi, this is Melesia with Interview Secrets That Get You the Job. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to share these secrets. I'm excited to interview people who know more than I do. How do I even come to a place where I know interview secrets? Pretty easy. One, I've had over 50 jobs myself. Actually started working when I was 13. It was the summer I turned 14, but I was definitely 13 when I started getting my first paycheck. And in between, I've had temp jobs, I've had contract jobs, I worked two or three jobs at a time. I was a small business owner, I wrote a book, I've had amazing full-time jobs, and even beyond that, I was a welfare-to-work job coach and a recruiter in a past life. So all of my experience has given me the opportunity to see places where people used really great secrets, skills, opportunities to really excel in their interview. I've also seen situations where people just said all the wrong things. They had sweaty hands, they were stressed out, they had a wardrobe malfunction. And so I'm here to share with you secrets that get you the job. Hi, Deborah. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Well, I just want to thank you for being on our podcast, Interview Secrets That Get You the Job. Um, I'm excited for what you're going to share with us today. And I think our listeners are going to be very interested to hear about your career. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with um, the titles that you've held at the director level. It's been director of warehouse ops, logistics, director of distribution, anything else you wanna throw in? So I have been at the director level for about 25 plus years. Um, I started when I got out of school and I had my first job, I started as an administrative assistant to a director of loss prevention for a major retailer. Mm -hmm. My supervisor um, recognized that I was smart and capable and really encouraged me to take some basic criminal justice classes to see if I had any interest in the career of loss prevention or supply chain asset protection. Within Mm -hmm. a year, I um, took those classes. I took some criminal justice classes. And uh, within a year, I worked my way up to manager level of loss prevention. After a year as manager, I was then promoted to senior manager. I was overseeing the loss prevention initiative in in the company's outlet division. Mm -hmm. And two years later, I was promoted to director of loss prevention, overseeing 125 outlet stores across the country. I had a staff of about 41 people with 16 direct reports. After 12 years at that major retailer, I moved to another company where in addition to loss prevention, I was given the responsibility of warehouse operations, which is really where my love for logistics 
distribution warehouse operations began. And so from that point on, I really leaned towards the logistic field and held a director of um, distribution or director of warehouse operation title. Okay, so, so it was a path that you took um, starting from just exploring the career in criminal justice to actually managing others and then growing in your titles. That's, that's impressive. So um, did your job require a specific degree or what degrees might be applicable for someone looking to get into operations, logistics, distribution, and loss prevention? Yes, typically, um, because I'm always looking um, either in my job, I'm always looking for talent or, you know, even when I'm pursuing a job um, opportunity, I always notice that uh, typically they're looking for a bachelor's, either a BA or a BS in either business or supply chain management. And they're usually looking for at least seven to 10 years um, leadership experience in warehouse operations, distribution, logistics, something in that field. Okay, good. So, so definitely people aren't just walking in off the street and growing from packer, puller, all the way up to director. They definitely need a, a professional path. Well, look, uh, you know, I have had experiences in some of the smaller privately owned companies Mm -hmm. where someone joins the company straight out of school, they work really hard, they're a great performer, they are uh, mature, and they are willing to learn and go the extra mile. And I have seen where people have been promoted from within and have developed their skills, have learned all of the processes in, within, you know, within the facility, and Sometimes, if you know, it's sort of like if you're in the right place at the right time, and mm -hmm. the owners or the 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 high level executives recognize that you have the ability to perform a job like that. But ninety five percent of the time, they're looking for very specific skills. Yeah, so, so like when recruiters have reached out to you throughout your career, it's because not only do you have the experience, but you have the education and the, the professional know-how. Yeah, and I would probably say that the education really falls in place as an important component when you're first starting out, let's say your first five to ten years of your career but then after that it they're really looking for your work experience the companies that you've worked for the size of the companies the size of the warehouse the amount of people that you've managed both um indirect and direct reports um they're really looking at that point in your skills so mm -hmm. it's your work experience in addition to your education that that makes sense because book smarts can take you so far but then i guess you have to be able to to manage the whole thing and you were telling me right earlier that you were managing 41 staff 
early in your career in loss prevention, what's the most staff you've ever managed? I've managed anywhere from 41 to 135 people yeah. with anywhere from four to 16 direct reports. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yes, <laughs> that's a is. that's a big project for sure. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, because that I can imagine that feels like you're spinning tops. <laughs> so you know, and the whole idea is to really build a really strong team under you, so mm -hmm. that you don't have to micromanage um, all of those people and all of those processes. So it's really important that when you are building a team and looking for talent and hiring your infrastructure that you're doing um that with the mindset that these individuals need to you know own what they do they need to be able to do their job manage their staff and get the job done you know what that that impresses me that you say that <clears throat> because when somebody's applying for jobs that are more individually responsible, like they're responsible to show up, they're responsible to sit at their desk, they're responsible to clock out on time, and they're responsible to take the lunch that they were given, the lunch break. That's a different mindset than the way you're talking right now, Deborah. You're talking, I mean, I can imagine if you were in a job interview right now, you're not bragging about your skills only, but it sounds like you have the capacity to mentor to train, to do succession planning. And so, I mean, just hearing you, your last answer tells me that you have a very big picture mindset about the minutia details that you're responsible for. I'm, I'm impressed with that. Well, thank you. But I think that, you know, I think that employers are looking for leaders that are not only energetic and positive and have long, strong leadership skills, but they're looking for people who can mentor and engage and develop teams to maximize their contributions, including recruiting, assessing, training, coaching, and managing performance. Mm -hmm. You are so only as good you as your team. When do you sleep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've just right? described like 10 people's jobs for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, if you want to grow within an organization, you really have to be a multi multitasker. You can't just say the words. You have to really live and breathe that. Yeah. Well, that's I like I said, I'm impressed to be talking to you today because your leadership and your your mindset of of growing an organization and being a true team player is shining through. So um, as you know, this podcast is called Interview Secrets That Get You the Job. And um, I hope that these conversations that I have with professionals like yourself give people little tips, little tools and tricks that they can use in an interview to be successful. Of course, they have to do the background work, maybe go to school, maybe have experience, maybe, you know, show work ethic. But when you're in that conversation, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> so um, when you go into an interview for titles such as director of warehouse, 
director of operations, warehouse operations, director of logistics, distribution, um, even loss prevention. What kind of personality are most organizations looking for? Well, I will tell you that the interview process has changed quite a bit. So I think there was a time where you used to go on an interview you were you knew your resume in and out you knew you know your accomplishments and they would say okay walk me through your resume and you would do that i think nowadays they have changed their um their their interviewing model to more behavioral type questions and um you know, they're, they're basically looking for specific information. If they're, they want examples, but not hypothetical examples. They want actual examples that you yourself have performed and accomplished. So for example, I could tell you, um, I could tell you some of the things that they're looking for, and then I can walk you through some examples of questions that they're going to ask. Okay. So, um, so one of the things that they're looking for, in addition to, of course, you go to an interview really well groomed, appropriately dressed, you're prepared, but they're looking to see how much, how much, um, how interested are you really in their company? Like, what did you do to really prepare for this interview? How much do you know about the role? Did you compare the role to your specific um resume you know how did they align they're looking for somebody who's very energetic very positive and with really strong inter uh leadership skills mm -hmm. i think that communication is really key um i think managers need to be able to clearly communicate goals and expectations so when you're at an interview you need to be able to clearly communicate your experience, your accomplishments, your uh, goals, not only professional, but personal goals that you might have. Um, I think communication is very important. I think having excellent listening skills is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to see, are you a good listener? If your employees come to you, you know, how do you, um, you know, how do you um, meet with them and how do you hear what it is that they're communicating to you, whether it's about an issue on the floor, whether it's, an, uh, you know, something about their career path, are you a good listener? I think that um, having good listening skills is the way to build uh, strong relationships with um, employees sure. because you're letting them know that they're valued. Um, in addition to that, they're looking for someone with emotional, you know, maturity. I think an effective director must be able to control their emotions at all times. Their emotional maturity is what, um, you know, is what boosts their self-confidence and which enables them to work collaboratively collaboratively with their subordinates well, um, tell me real fast tell me what what kind of question would they ask you I mean it's easy to say oh and I have a very high intelligent emotional intelligence IQ that's very easy to say 
but what kind of question or scenario would they put forth to test you in an interview about your emotional intelligence, your emotional maturity? So they might ask you something like, you know, describe a situation when you had many projects due at the same time. Like what steps did you take to get them done? Like not is that not only is that going to speak to your emotional state of mind, it's going to speak to how do you work under stress? What kind of planner are you? Are you well organized? For an example, if I had to give you an example of, of, of something like that, you know, there was a time, um, you know, when we were waiting for product to come in for a very big um, order. The product was due in like four days prior. It didn't come until the day, two days before it was had to be shipped out. Um, as a director, I had to make a decision right then and there without panicking. How do I receive that product in my back door? And it was thousands, it was like 13,000 units. How do I receive it? How do I get it QA'd? How do I get it bag boxed and ticketed? How do I get it picked correctly to the purchase order? And then how do I get it processed on the sortation line and packed into the cartons and properly labeled and, and shipped out on time? And as a director, I had to make a decision without panicking, without getting stressed about how I was going to do that. And if, you know, to take it a step further, the decision, I made the decision that I would bring everybody in an hour early for those two days. I would take all of the office personnel. We had seven people in the office and I brought them down to the floor and everybody participated in each one of those functions to help get that that order out and we did get it out on time. Wow. So I think that, you know, the questions are very, very specific. They're looking for things like your initiative. So maybe one of the questions for initiative would be, you know, exactly what I said before. How did you prepare for this interview? You know, what did you do to learn about this company? And they might ask you to give them specific, um, you know, um, examples of exactly what you did and you can't bluff and say well you know uh, you know my resume aligns with your job description they're going to ask you specifically how give me an example of how your experience accomplishments align with what we're looking for in this job and you know, they would might you agree that um, that's a question they've asked forever but now that there's the internet, there's no excuse for you not to know who the principals are, when they sold it, what the name means. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Absolutely. you would look like a fool if you hadn't gone to all of their social media, all of their websites, you exactly. know, read their prospectus. And read. what's their mission statement? Yeah. Tell you a lot about their environment and what it is you know, you could be the greatest candidate on the face of the earth. You could have all of the skills. You could have been the greatest leader in every job that you've ever had. But if you don't fit into their, you know, environment, um, they're not going to hire you. They're going to look for somebody. So when you say do the research, you really have to dig deep. 
you have to try to find out what is their employee um, you know base made of um, you know what is you know what is that environment is it a relaxed environment is it a structured environment you know because different people work better in different environments sure so can i ask you a question because of your experience and you know interviewing with highly professional companies this is off the cuff but have you ever done the research on a company and maybe backed out of an interview or just said wow this i i just don't align myself with this and you know after the research like you did enough research to realize that absolutely because I think at the end of the day, yes, we all need to work, we all need an income, we all need to pay our jobs. But at the end of the day, we really need to identify what it is that we need from a business. So I think it's really important to sit down before you even take an interview and determine what are the most important things to you. Do you want to work in a big company, a small company, a privately owned company, a public company? Do you want uh, your own office? Do you want, you know, uh, dress down casual Fridays? <laughs> Do you want, you know, what are the most important things to you? Do you want a company that has a 401k? Do you want a company that has, you know, a great PTO policy? And, you know, some of these questions you can get from you know going on their website and looking into others you won't until you take the interview i always go to an interview especially if i'm interested in the company with a list of questions because every single interviewer is going to say do you have any questions for us that's intelligent <laughs> that's what? that's great yeah and you need to be able to sit down and articulate what's important to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, ha I had a team of people that worked um, for me in, in my last position that I, you know, some worked really well in a very quiet environment. Some loved the chaos. When I was interviewing, I had to really think about that because if I hire somebody that works well when it's quiet and they can be focused, and I'm trying to bring them into an office environment that's constantly chaotic and, and loud and there's no partitions, it's just, you know, short cubicles. How is that going to work? Yeah, yeah. And so I guess, you know, being on both sides of the interview desk, you, you probably see how an interview is progressing and you could go, okay, we're really clicking or, wow, everything I'm saying is bouncing off their forehead. Because mm -hmm. I'm saying I want this and they offer that. So yeah, that's that's great that you have so much experience, you know, that way. So so one of the questions that I had been thinking about, Deborah, is that truly most people, you know, right or wrong, assume that ops, logistics, distribution is mostly a male-dominated field. Is that a right or wrong assumption? Well, I think that in warehousing, distribution, logistics, loss prevention, I think they probably are more dom uh, male dominated um, only because, 
especially in the logistics side, I think that a lot of people might perceive warehousing as, oh, will I need to either ride the high-low myself or understand the operation of a high-low or manage somebody who's going to drive a high-low? Will I be required to lift 50-pound boxes or supervise somebody who lifts a 50-pound box? So I think a person might perceive that um, a warehouse or a loss prevention job might be, um, you know, gender specific. But to be perfectly honest with you, when I interview for a job, I try very, very hard not to make any distinction between mm -hmm. a male, a man and a woman in terms of professional experience. I present my professional experiences. I point out value added accomplishments such as identifying non-value added tasks or streamlining processes for efficiency and adding to the bottom line for profitability. I don't allow myself to get caught up into, you know, in whether or not a man or, you know, a woman, whoever, could do this job better than I can. I yeah, just that's, think that, that's a good point, Deborah. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to finish by saying that, you know, if the job description, if I've read the job description thoroughly, and if I'm working with a recruiter, if I've asked questions uh, about the requirements and I've identified the fact that I can do those requirements, then I just go for it. <laughs> I talk about my skills, I talk about my experience, I talk about my leadership, initiative, goal setting, flexibility, time management, you know, communication, listening. I talk about all those things from a very positive perspective and I stay away from trying to sell them on the idea that I'm a woman and I can do it just as well as someone else. <laughs> okay, so so you don't bring it to the table because it's not relevant. You're capable and you can do the job. Exactly. That's great. And I think that's great advice for um, women who may be listening and thinking, wow, I really wish I could move up, but I'm not sure that they'll take me seriously. Obviously, over the years, people have taken you seriously and you don't have that conversation. So I'm impressed with that. So, um, so another question, in your position, can you think of any like trick questions that might trip a candidate up? For example, like, do they ask like, hey, you know, how do you feel about work-life balance? Because you and I know full well when you're director of distribution, you might have to work nights, you might have to work weekends. There's some holidays that you and your crew are working when everybody else is not because it's got to get shipped, like right. jewelry for a very high-end um, retailer, um, things like that. And so um, m maybe maybe there's some things that they're checking on that you might fall for or not you necessarily, but somebody might fall for those kind of questions. Can you think of any? Yeah. So it's been my experience that typically during, during the um, online um, application process, 
there's usually sections that say, you know, uh, when are you available? And it'll say Monday through Sunday. It'll say weekends. It'll say holidays. I just answer yes to everything. <laughs> when I go for an interview, before that can even come up, I put it out there and basically say, when describing my leadership skills, that as a leader, I'm never going to ask my employees to do anything that I'm not willing to do, whether that means staying, you know, staying late and, and working side by side with them in the, during the evening, on a week, coming in on a weekend when necessary, you know, working a holiday when necessary, but I'm always, as a leader, I'm going to lead by example and, and, and I'm never going to ask them to do anything that I'm not willing to do. That statement alone is mm -hmm. what every interviewer is looking for. Okay, so perfect. You start saying things like, well, I have a family, I have to get home, I have children, I have to do this, I have to do that. You start chipping away at your, at your worth because mm -hmm. They want somebody who's going to give them 150%. Yeah. If you're, going to, if you're going to say it, especially at a director or VP level, you have to mean it because that's the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, logistics and operations and distribution, I think we all love Amazon Prime and, you know, being able to order a hairdryer and it comes tomorrow morning because yours just conked out. But I think people forget what that means. Right. Or, or people are driving down the road and they're like, ah, these trucks, they're just, ah, you know what? But they forget that it takes logistics, distribution, you know, all of those things, warehousing to, to make the world turn. Right. I mean, think about it in terms of this, you know, the corporate office, they have salespeople, the salespeople can sell, the planners can plan, the purchasing department can buy. But at the end of the day, the warehouse is the last stop. If mm -hmm. you don't pick it, pack it and ship it, you can't bill it. And if you can't bill it, the customer cannot make the company cannot make money and there's not going to be customer satisfaction. And that's what keeps a business afloat. So if you're going to be in the distribution um, end of the business, you've got to understand that you have to do whatever it takes to get the product shipped. Yeah. Well, and, and I imagine, like I said, in this day and age where everybody wants it tomorrow or tonight, that it's the pressure is on for this career. Absolutely. It, yeah. it absolutely is. You know, but again, a good director is going to plan accordingly. She's going to, she or he is going to know how to staff for peak season. She's going to know, you know, how many people does she need on the floor, in what department, at what hours of the day, at what days of the week. Yeah. So it's not a matter of being hostage to the business in terms of last minute decisions. You have to be well prepared, a really good, um, you have to have the foresight and understand the business uh, to really be able to plan accordingly. 
and to avoid because listen, super um, companies don't like overtime. Overtime costs a lot of money. Right. So, you know, I've, I've sta staggered my, my team in. Maybe, maybe everybody doesn't come in at eight and leave at four or five. Maybe I have people who come in 7.30, some who come in at eight and some who come in at 8.30. You stagger them in, so you stagger them out at the end. And the other big thing is I'm a big proponent of cross-training. So, you know, this way, if the bag, box, and ticket people are caught up, I can move them into the sortation line or move them into packing. It's like a chess game. You just have to be very a strategic thinker sure so, so tell me about this though now like we're seeing amazon wayfair you know some of these other companies putting little distribution sites all across the country is that make your job more challenging or easier um well the purpose of putting up all of these satellite warehouses is to be able to address the geographic needs of that area. So um, I think that, um, you know, Wayf the model Wayfair and Amazon, um, they're a little different um, of a business model than I'm used to. Mm -hmm. I'm, my business is more forecast, you know, sales forecasting, like I know what the orders are. There's a trend in the business. I, I can plan accordingly. I think with Wayfair and Amazon, you know, it's, it's just people surfing the net for what they want and um, they place these orders. And as you said before, they want them like yesterday. So I think that business model is a little bit different than what I'm used to. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine, you know, both having central distribution and having multiple distribution, they both have their challenges and their benefits probably. Right, right. So um, one last question, Deborah. I, I am completely fascinated by all of the things that you're telling me. I mean, I, I just, it's making my head spin to think how much knowledge you have and what an expert you are. And I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm, I'm really impressed by the things you're telling me, actually. But um, I've never thought, I've never thought to that detail. <laughs> but um, looking back on your career this far, do you have any advice for someone new to the position or the industry? You know, how can they advocate for themselves? What can they do to get higher pay? You know, garner respect. What, what is it they can do as they climb the ladder? at director or towards director performance 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 i think consistent performance and professionalism is paramount in getting ahead in both terms of promotion and pay okay. i think you have to be a very clear concise communicator about what your career goals are you have to be able to um, be extremely professional and, and exhibit non-emotional behavior. You have to ask your supervisor to work with you to develop a career path okay. and to talk about what goals and accomplishments are needed to get there and what that timeline looks like. 
around potential growth. I sure. think you have to keep track of your value added accomplishments and you need to um, have an open dialogue again with your supervisor about what your you know career goals are and you know no employee should have to wait until their performance evaluation to find out they're doing a good or, or bad job a good manager or director should be sitting down with their employees quarterly to talk about you know career path to have some sort of succession planning in place um, to identify the talent within you know their facility um, you know and I'm very I feel very strongly about promotions from within mm -hmm. and I feel very strongly about communicating um, accomplishments and or you know pointing out developmental needs sure. along the way and this way it gives every employee an opportunity to either grow or improve I'm also um, I also think that you should have dialogue with either um, your supervisor and or your HR director to talk about what type of in-house training your company put um, your company um, offers or even if they're willing to pay for any sort of you know off uh, company um, you know training that might be available of course that it would have to be you know specific to the to the to the you know job that you're performing or the positions that are opening your your uh, your company but I think it's very important to be consistent and to act in a very non-emotional um, professional way sure. um, and to again communicate in a clear concise way about what you need from your supervisor and from your company in order to move ahead yeah well i i've heard you say non-emotional and emotional intelligence emotional maturity probably five times or more today and so i really think you are setting the pace for people who are candidates and the expectations they should have that they they need to be able to control themselves in a very highly stressful situation where everybody's watching. Yeah, they're looking for people that show really, um, you know, emotional maturity. And they're looking for people that have really good judgment. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be, you know, have empathy, and you shouldn't, you know, fight for your employees and and but you have to have emotional intelligence yeah. i think that it's not necessarily um it's not necessarily something that um i don't know if it can be learned or not learned but i think it has to be to some extent part of your makeup mm -hmm. you know supervisors and companies are looking for emotionally fit leaders that are able to manage their stress level and that they don't take their emotions and frustrations out on their team or that they don't express them in meetings and different things like that and so that that is also what i'm trying to get out the way that you present yourself is the way that people will see you yeah well that's i appreciate that that is something people really need to to plan for i mean you don't get to director without really you know making 
making a career path for yourself and really training your mind, training, training your mouth, <laughs> training, right. maybe training your face, because how many people have you seen? Like, they're like, sure, sure. I'll stay late, but you can see it on their face. They're not staying late because they want to. <laughs> so. yeah, and, you need, and you have to be able to treat people with respect. You have to be able to motivate and inspire them. Um, you have to walk the walk, Melissa, and talk the talk. And it's really just that simple. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time with me. I, I think these are really great tips for people. And frankly, you've said some things that I think that maybe if somebody was really trying to climb this ladder, you've given them some background that they wouldn't know on their own. And so I appreciate your time. You've been incredibly interesting and professional. I, I love that. But um, I wish you the best in all that you're doing in your career and, and your personal life, of course, because we're whole people. <laughs> we, have, we have other sides to ourselves. Um, and thank you for being on our, on our podcast today. Well, I appreciate the invite and um, thank you so much. And I will leave your listeners with one last thing. If they Google star, inter, uh, star method, interviewing star method, uh -huh. S-T-A-R, they will give an example of all the types of behavioral questions that an employer might ask. I would recommend highly that your listeners pull those questions up and then draw from their own experiences and answer those questions so that when they go for interviews and hear some of these questions, it will uh, remind them of an accomplishment, a task and an accomplishment that they, um, you know, that they, they were, that they did, that would be a really great answer to that question. And uh, I think it would be very helpful during the interview process. Oh, thank you for telling me that. I've, I've heard you mention STAR before, but that is great for them to go look at that um, because a lot of people have a great story to tell, but if they didn't write it down first, they're not going to remember when they're stressed out and nervous. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great um, day, and I appreciate you being on the show. Goodbye. You're welcome. You take care. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you're welcome to look up my book on Amazon.com. Malesia Ziller is my name, and the title of the book is the same as the podcast, Interview Secrets That Get You the Job. I am going to include a link here. Um, it's actually my Smile Amazon because I donate to the Northeastern Northeast, excuse me, Florida Women's Veterans Incorporated. Um, it's a, something that I really believe in. And so when I go onto Amazon, I always include them and support them on my Amazon Smile Prime. And you're welcome to do the same. But that's what my link will have because it's a, a group that I really believe in. So thanks and um, happy listening, happy reading. Thanks for joining us for episode five. Deborah had a lot to say about what it takes to be a director of operations, logistics, loss prevention, warehouse, 
And whether that's your exact career path or it's just management they're looking for, I think she had some really great tips for us, not just in the interview, but what you need to do to develop yourself as a professional. I hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to meeting you at another episode.